Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Beer and Money. I am Ryan Burklow. And I'm Alex Gons. And on today's episode, we're going to be discussing how much life insurance you need. Or maybe we should phrase it, how much life insurance you want. That is most definitely a better question, Ryan. Want versus need. Uh, I mean, life insurance is not like food or air or shelter. We don't need it to survive. We may want to have it. And that really should be the lens at which we look through it. So on today's episode, you're going to learn three steps or three pieces of information that you should consider when deciding how much life insurance you want for your family. So before we go into those three steps, let's, Alex, let's paint a typical picture that is probably out there um, in America where uh, we explained what the typical family may look like and what reality actually occurs if, God forbid, that premature death actually happens. So imagine this, right? You've got a husband and spouse, and between the two of them, they bring in about $100,000 of income. What we're noticing in $100,000 of income and, and average savings rates, you know, depending on where you live, they can obviously fluctuate, but let's just say it's 10%. So these two spouses are going to work. They're bringing home $100,000 of income. That income is providing for their family. That income is providing for vacations. That income is providing for their goals and dreams of the future. Oh, by the way, the taxes that they're paying right now. And they're saving $10,000 of that $100,000 income for their future self. Like that's typically the 401k deposits, right? Per year is $10,000 between the two of them. What that really paints the picture of is it leaves, it's the $90,000 that they're spending for that lifestyle that I just painted, right? Exactly. This is the vacation, so trips to Disney World. This is the payments for your children's ballet class or karate class or soccer or football, whatever activities you're in. This is the the weekend getaways or the weekend outings, right? That's that $90,000. That's the taxes included that. Only $10,000 stays on the balance sheet. <clears throat> so now let's just say that one of these spouses has a premature death. And that $100,000 income goes away. Ouch. Well, that's why we buy life insurance, right? To protect our family and our kids and that lifestyle. Yeah. So, Alex, what what do we normally see from a life insurance protection? Like, what what are we seeing out there? Uh, For for folks that, uh, you know, Assuming that this couple is somewhere in the neighborhood of 50-50 in terms of income, it means that each one of them is making about 50K, and we're typically seeing maybe somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 times annual income, which means about $500,000 worth of insurance on each one of them. So $500,000, right? Which to that couple, I'm sure, and it's $500,000, you know, that's a lot of money. And that's going to feel when they purchase that life insurance, I'm sure that's going to feel like quite a bit of money. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, we routinely hear numbers like 500 or a million and, um, you know, that those numbers feel big to the client. And when we start putting it in perspective of what they're actually going to earn over a 10, 20, 30 year time horizon, it, it, it opens their eyes and they see it a little bit differently. So put yourself in, in this couple's shoes. $500,000 of life insurance is what the other spouse gets at this awful time in their life. $500,000 lands in their balance sheet. They now have to take that money and decide how much of that they're going to maybe pay off mortgages, how much of that is maybe going to take care of their kids, and maybe their kids' futures in, in education, possibly, right? And what I mean by take care of their kids is that is that daycare, is that a stay-at-home um, uh, person to help them? Is that is that maybe the other spouse stops working? Like, how far does that five hundred thousand dollars go? Oftentimes, we hear, "Well, we'll take that five hundred thousand dollars and we'll invest it." What type of investment personality do you take on? when you just lost your spouse and you've got kids and you're 20 30 years away from retirement what does that what does that really do for you what type of investment personality would you really become the answer is, is we don't know we can tell you what we see and and what we see and what we hear from folks are they think about investing very similarly to the way in which they think about investing now. They think about it as a 10, 20, 30 year time horizon. And so they think about it in terms of like, oh, I'll just continue doing what I'm doing and you know, shoot for somewhere between a six and 10% rate of return, depending upon how aggressive or conservative the people are. And what we actually find in reality is that when this occurs, essentially, that money now went from being future money to being dollars that we need to turn into cash flow, being dollars that we need to turn into income today. And as a result, people take a dramatically different view at it once they actually get there. And it's somewhat similar to having the conversation around uh with a, an expecting parent you know they say oh i'm ready to be a parent i'm so excited and then the child actually arrives and it is night and day different from what they anticipated what they expected you cannot tell somebody what it's like to be a parent you just can't because everyone's experience is a little bit different and it's such a shift this is the exact same thing when you lose a spouse So, Alex, you, you know, we've painted this picture. I think, I hope our message is getting across around when you look at protecting your family, how much life insurance you want, oftentimes it breaks down to, well, I've got a mortgage of 400000 and then I want to have like $100,000 for my kid's education. So that equates to the $500,000. That will take care of my family. And we're not saying that you're doing it wrong. What we are saying is you may not really looking at this from a realistic standpoint. 
meaning what really happens because let's just face it no one i hate paying my life insurance premiums like i don't like insurance but i love it when i know what it's doing for me absolutely it's all within the context of of what it actually does inside of the plan and like when we think about it from a standpoint of like okay let's go back to that example of the hundred thousand dollar uh income client now instead of a hundred thousand dollars they only have say fifty thousand dollars coming in so now they're forty thousand dollars shy of where they were in terms of just living and the first thing that we hear is oh well Right, but that one spouse was eating a bunch of food and doing things and we're not gonna do as much and, and whatnot. It's like, wait a second. All right, there were two of you, now there's one of you and you're raising kids. Is it gonna be easier or harder? Is it gonna cost less or cost more? Are taxes gonna go up or go down? And, and let's and let's here. I'm sorry to interrupt here, Alex, but the, the big thing is most people are purchasing life insurance, especially in this stage of life or that stage of life that we're describing, to make sure that their family doesn't struggle and get by and, and struggling to get by. And what we're trying to point out is there's a bunch of what ifs in that scenario, and five hundred thousand dollars only replaced. And if the how if the person was only making fifty grand a year, only replace ten years of income, and that's if the person never got a pay raise in ten years. Right, and a different way of of thinking about it is if we look at it as a as the person just having retired. We're taught, and we we can debate whether it's you know the, an accurate number or not, but just using the four percent rule would mean that that five hundred thousand without paying off any debt, without paying any final expenses, without taking any time away or setting dollars aside for the kids, would replace $20,000 a year of income. And there's a bunch of thought out there that it's really more like the 3% rule instead of the 4% rule, which means that we're now down to 15,000 as opposed to 20,000. Either way, we just lost $30,000 a year of income and we can you know take a look at it as to whether our expenses went up or went down you know ultimately what we're finding is that if we live anywhere close to the same lifestyle they are the same if not maybe even a little bit higher and again this is one of those conversations that you can't actually have until you experience it and so it's important to rely upon professionals who have experienced it through the eyes of their client multiple times and it's not their first time doing it it's not their first example of having walked through this scenario so now that we've painted this picture alex and, we, and, we, and we've gone through a couple of the concerns that we have in that picture let's talk about what we normally talk through our with our clients in terms of three steps that they should look at when determining how much life insurance they want to protect their family. Sounds good. The uh, The first one is really taking a look at, at how many years of income do you want replaced? 
And, and I mean, if we think about this in terms of like how far away we are from retirement and like there are a host of different ways we can go ahead and, and think about this, uh, but it's it's a relatively easy concept to just think about it from a standpoint of like, okay, it, currently I'm about 20 years away from retirement uh, and therefore I need roughly 20 times my annual income. And yes, we're going to get raises over time and uh, cost of living is going to go up and things of that nature. But presumably those things would have occurred with my income. And when I get to retirement, I still need to have saved the dollars that I was going to have saved for my family. Otherwise, you just brought up, yeah, you just brought up a huge piece that I think most people forget. The replacement of your income is not only living your life today, but that money, that $10,000 that you were saving in that example that we went through, it's also for your future self. Like, I don't know about you, Alex. Well, I do know, but so I'm going to speak for both of us here. <laughs> if something happened to you or I, I do not want my family to have a lesser lifestyle today, nor do I want my wife to worry about what we were doing for our future years in retirement. Absolutely, 100%. I want that taken care of and locked down. I don't want finances to be a worry whatsoever if, heaven forbid, I'm not here. So step one, how many years of your income do you want replaced? Step two is, okay, what does your family or your spouse expect to do with that money if, God forbid, something actually did happen? Yeah, and we, what I'm getting at there is what, what, what will you act like if your spouse passed away and you received 500000 a million, whatever that number is, will you act like someone that's about to retire? Will you act the way you currently are? are you, or will you act maybe more aggressive? Like think about what that money, where you're going to put it and how will you act with that money? It changes the dynamic a lot. And yes, some of the money might be going to pay off debt. That might not be a bad thing to do. Absolutely. And what we see more often than not is people are more conservative than they even then we talk to them about because they're so terrified of chewing into that principle and having down years and not having that money last because everything just changed. Everything just changed. And now there is so much uncertainty that they need some amount of certainty in their world. And that is the last thing that the market and investments provide is certainty. 100%. What takes us to step number three, which is it, it, step number three kind of helps you along with step, step one and step two. And that's really what stage of life are you in, right? That picture that we painted earlier was, uh, you know, a young family, right? Like two people probably in their, in their early thirties with, with young kids, right? What if you are in your mid forties or early fifties and you've got two kids that are entering college or what if you're to out, you know, Alex brought it up five to 10 years away from retirement. 
that goes to help analyze, okay, how many more years of my income do I need replaced or want replaced? And then what do I plan to do with that money? Right? Because if you're if you're pre-retirement, if you're five years away from retirement, that means you've got, I mean, hopefully you've got uh, uh, some savings so that you can actually retire and not have to rely upon Social Security. 100%. And it, it amazes me the number of conversations that I have with folks that are even at or in retirement who are asking us about life insurance and what the options are. And like, it's, it's again, one of those conversations where, you know, everyone who's still working thinks, oh, I will be done. I won't need, or I won't want that in retirement. And that's just not our experience. It's hard to imagine yourself because what happens, your experience, your life changes your viewpoint oftentimes when you do get to retirement as to what's important or things that you were not even thinking about or even considering as being important or all of us are now all of a sudden important. Absolutely. And the whole point of this is just having flexibility, right? Like that's our key word that we always talk about is the flexibility. And yes, there's a cost to this. Let's not, you know, I'm not, I know some of you are rolling your eyes right now. Like Ryan, Alex, that sounds great, but at what cost is that? And there's two costs. There's the cost of the actual insurance, right, Alex? And then there's the cost of the underinsured aspect because you, you decided to do a little bit less. What type of cost is that for your family? Yeah, 100%. Like it's, it, this is such a challenging question to, to answer. Um, and really, it has to be done on a personal basis because there are so many different factors that go into it. Um, and there, there's some relatively easy ways to go ahead and, and make some calculations and things of that nature. But ultimately, so much of it depends on what you're trying to accomplish and how you want to go about doing it. So this has to be a personal conversation with a professional who talks you through all of the different things that the average person is just blind to. Not not because they're blind, not because they don't understand, but because they've never experienced it. They've never seen what happens in the event of, of these types of, of things occurring and, and what the what the choices are and what the, the consequences of those choices wind up being. So we know this topic isn't the most fun topic uh, to speak about. Um, it's definitely not my favorite topic. However, it might be one of the most important topics to make sure that you handle inside of your financial life and protection for your family. Which takes us to the question of the day, Alex. And the question of the day today is, how did you determine the amount of life insurance that you have? And when was the last time that you reviewed it? So head on over to beerandmoney.net. And at the bottom of that page, there's a spot for you to answer that question of the day. If you have any questions in regards to this, or if you want a, an opinion on helping you with your life insurance or just protection needs, feel free to reach us out to us there as well. As always, we hope this episode was valuable for you. And Mr. Collins. Cheers. 
This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their friends are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Quantified Financial Partners, and opinions stated are their own. Guardian and subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. Ryan and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. OSJ 333 North Indian Hill Boulevard, Claremont, California, 91711. 909-399-1100. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Brian Burklow, AR Insurance License, number 1531912. CA Insurance License, number 0K24924. Alexander Collins AR Insurance License, number 7264699. CA Insurance License, number 0H24806. Number 2021-117745, expiration March 2023.